Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line from Cape Town, South Africa, from the African Women's Innovation and Entrepreneurship Forum, is the former Vice President and Minister of Women Affairs from the Gambia, Her Excellency Fatumata Jalo Tambajang. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always such a privilege to host someone like you who's lit the torch, which lights the path for women, particularly in Africa, to make their respective journeys possible. And I must say that when I was doing research on this show for you in this interview, it made such an impact on my views as a woman and a person. And I, I think that your personal and political journey has invaluable lessons for other women across the continent to follow. So to start with, please tell us, when did you realize that politics and serving your country would be such an integral part of your life? I realized that uh, women were... Uh, not represented in the power structures and that uh, meant a lot uh, that's where the cake is shared and if we are not represented then it means we're going to take whatever is left so I got the inspiration and uh, fortunately I come from a background where women are very strong I lost my father very young and I found my mother very very strong standing up to things she wanted to do and making a difference in her community and in her life and at the same, the same time supporting us as four daughters um, ensuring that uh, we don't we are not left behind in anything so i went with this dream and uh, worked with the united nations first of all um, i was uh, a young mother i was married young uh, got divorced uh, at the age of 21 uh, after having four children and uh, then I followed my dream. I wanted to become a doctor, medical doctor, gynecologist uh, because of the need in our country and in Africa in general. And at the same, but unfortunately, because fortunately, unfortunately, I was unable to follow my first vocation. I became a social scientist and then a politician by default. Uh, because of the what the situation back in the Gambia, I studied instead of studying medicine. I went to as an adult learner. I went back to school, did my advanced education, and then went to Dakar University, Senegal, and then France, and, and got remarried and got four children. So I have uh, gender equality: four boys and four girls. I must say, four young men and four young women. And uh, I have um, eight, uh, seven grandchildren. Um, then um, 20 in 2000, I decided to join the struggle in my country. We have for 22 years, we had an autocratic role where it was just uh, one-way traffic. It was either the executive or nothing else. And um, I realized that there were political parties who for 22 years were journeying just to find uh, a niche for each of them individually. Each one wanted to be a president, and I thought that 
I should come and join this struggle, uh, create a new platform uh, together with other uh, Mike landed uh, men and women to have to create a coalition, which is called Coalition 2016, uh, which was uh, uh, created and launched in October 2016. And uh, this is a compri coalition comprises seven political parties. Uh, two national independent uh, parliamentarians, two representatives of civil society, including my humble self. And uh, we went to elections uh, without nothing, but because we know that women, uh, together with men, can create, uh, can move mountains, we decided to fundraise uh, local level, international level, including the diaspora. Uh, we got money, funding. We decided to use the funding we had uh, with strategic thinking and actions. We went to, we did a lot of campaigns, strategic campaigns, uh, all throughout the country, which is a country of 1.8 million people, 51% of which are women. We did the campaign, we did nomination, we did the elections, and finally we won by 18,000 votes. And this was how we won, we, we took over our country in a democratic way. That is through the ballot box. That so is a significant achievement in a relatively short space of time, forming the coalition in 2016, yes. gaining the support and mm -hmm. being able to drive the change. It, it shows that there was an appetite of readiness yes. in the country. Definitely. People wanted to change. And uh, more so, the, we must uh, admit that... Uh, women and young people, the youth, uh, predominantly the main actors of this change. Reflecting back on the years in that build-up of, of coming through with the, you know, the, the, the 22 years prior to, to coming into power and where the Gambia is positioned at the moment as a country politically, do you feel that it's on track for affecting the right type of transformation to move forwards? Actually, something that I left out in GAP in terms of my profession is that I've been working, I worked for the United Nations Development Program um, and I was able to create uh, great partnerships with the uh, many international organizations, including the World Bank, the IMF, the African Development Bank and so forth. And this was part of my portfolio when I was working in development. So that uh, alone uh, helped me in uh, strategic thinking and strategic actions. And uh, fortunately, when we, when we became a government, when we established the government, um, I was uh, privileged to be appointed as Vice President and Minister of Women's Affairs. And uh, from that point of view, we, we didn't find anything in the coffers. We had... Um, just one month income cover so it needed a lot of creation creativity and innovation strategic thinking quick action uh, to mobilize resources so we mobilized resources we had the national agenda which is a reform ag agenda constitutional reform land reform uh, civil service reform judicial reform security service reform and all name it truth and reconciliation because the social fabric was broken during the 22 years. Families don't speak with other, friends don't speak with the other. Everybody feared the National Intelligence Agency, the security service, where the 
the, the, the pointers were the tools used by uh, the executive to um, incarcerate and to persecute um, uh, people, Gambian people, innocent people. And this, of course, moved uh, almost like 30 to 40 percent of our population into the diaspora. Talent and ingenuity. Most of Gambia is 1.8 million, but your size comparative to the people, the human capital, surpasses. Uh, you find them in many high positions in international organizations. So now what we, uh, we've been doing, we've, we're trying to transform. We've got the change, we've fought for the change, unfortunately we have got the change. Now our challenge is how to manage the change by quickly uh, implementing the reform agenda. Uh, already the constitutional reform agenda is almost completed. Um, then we will have a referendum and then finally we will uh, eventually execute the executive will be able to enact in, in close collaboration with the citizenry. And what it would do would be to separate the powers, the three powers of the executive, which is uh, the executive, the legislature, and the judiciary, which for 22 years was just one arm of government, which is just the executive. And it would give also broader participation to, to people. People's voices would be heard. We, we are also fighting in the terms of true advocacy and strategic lobbying to have a quota system in the Constitution that would allow women to be represented in all structures of government, including at the local level where, uh, the, where you find economic actors in agriculture, in fishing, in all the productive sectors of the economy. And then also having uh, women as politicians, why not? Uh, trying to educate women and empowering women to vote for women so that they can, and voting not only for women per, per se, but voting for competent women, women who can champion the cause of women and not only for their own cause. So we are moving forward. Uh, it's, 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 it's like a post-conflict uh, situation. Yes, uh, it is. Yes, a post-conflict situation. So it would take time, but at the same time, we need to hurry up. Um, to deliver the, the expectations, to meet the expectations. We have 22% of unemployment among young people. The public sector cannot absorb everyone. So what we need to do is to create that enabling environment where they can uh, feel comfortable, enter the labor market, and particularly young people, young women. So today in the Gambia, the democratic dividend is paying. You have many young people establishing their own businesses. We, we cannot be complacent with that. We need to have at least everyone, no one left behind so that uh, we can grow the economy and particularly through innovation creativity. And today we are here with uh, the African Women Innovation and Entrepreneurship uh, Forum which is a formidable organization, women-driven uh, organization, which has brought diverse people to Cape Town, uh, financiers, um, civil society, media, uh, all the stakeholders and women, in, women business, business women, uh, practitioners, development practitioners, and so forth. And what we are planning to do is to use that, the diversity as a strength to, to promote the, the agenda, which is, of course, the agenda to uh, prioritizing 
and helping to promote the operationalization of the African trade continent. And coming back to Gambia, we have signed, fortunately, we are one of the 27 countries that has signed the agreement. Now, at all levels, international, local, and Gambian level, we will try uh, to ensure that women participate in the mainstream of the implementation of the African Continental Trade Agreement and at the same time benefit from it in terms of having the required resources, uh, having the required uh, capacity building and uh, supporting uh, their enterprises so that they can uh, grow the economy or contribute meaningfully or more meaningfully in their local, the economy of their local communities uh, which, of course, will go into the national economy. And finally, we can have inclusive growth, um, inclusive wealth creation uh, in the be benefit of everyone. Yeah, we do hope that the security reform also would help where we can democratize the security sector to understand they are there not to govern, not to intimidate, but rather to be at the service, the protection of the state and people's property, lives and property. So it's moving, it's moving. Uh, I have a lot of hope. Uh, a lot of people also have hope. Of course, we, we ha do have uh, criticism from here to down, but then that is what is, should make us strong and move the process forward so that we, we continue to respond to the expectations of our citizenry and finally would become a model of democracy in not only Africa, but the world at large. That's a fantastic aspiration and thank you very much for sharing some of the, the outcomes that you're hoping to take away from the Women Innovation and Entrepreneurship Forum, particularly into the, the Gambian labor market. Mm -hmm. One of the very important things that you mentioned was the, the notion of bringing more women into political leadership, more women who are competent, who can effectively drive change. Mm -hmm. And we consider on this program that developing female leadership capacity is important for the future of women, not only to our countries, but mm -hmm. also to the continent. Mm -hmm. However, in recent history, there has been a handful of female presidents, female vice presidents in the continent, whether it's in Malawi, Liberia, Mauritius, the Gambia, Namibia. How do you see female leadership from a continental perspective? From a continental perspective, it's like uh, one foot forward and two feet backward. We come, what we count the one, two, three, like Ma Ellen Johnson of President Excellency of Liberia. We found uh, uh, Namibia also had a vice presidency in, in um, Liberia. But uh, at some point you find that rather than progressing, increasing in numbers, sometimes we decrease. We, we work with the men, we help them, we support them, and sometimes we even guide them and play uh, instrumental roles in, in ensuring that they achieve their uh, political goals. But once they feel comfortable, most times it's to elbow the women out. And uh, some women who feel discouraged and frustrated uh, go backward and sometimes you never hear about them but my vision is that this is just a challenge but that can be overcome by bringing women african women together bringing local women national women together 
strengthening the women's uh, movements and also building their capacity, the political capacity, ensuring that you have partners that are willing to support the process so that uh, finally we can transform the mentality, the cultural barriers that make it patriarchal that men only should rule. Uh, it's a world of equality and ensuring that we take governments, uh, take them uh, into accountability, we hold them accountable in terms of the instruments that they have signed. The, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights 1979 uh, hinges upon everybody, every government, to ensure that everybody has equal rights, including political rights. The Convention on All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, the UNCDAO, also holds men, governments, to ensure that women participate in every aspect of life. And then also we have the UN, uh, UN 1325 uh, Convention, Women, Peace and Security. So you have the SDGs, Social Development Goals. We are at the epicenter is the women's, the, the, the necessity and the urgency for governments to ensure that there is equality, there is a good quota system. And when they, what they should understand, men should understand, particular political leaders, is that uh, gender equality uh, brings more dividend, not only in terms of equality, but equity, uh, justice, because uh, equality is justice, is social justice. In building the social justice platform, uh, women must be in the agenda, negotiating table, must be in the power structures uh, to work hand in hand to help develop the capacity of men to understand that women are partners, women are the mothers, they are the caregivers, they have a triple role, and minus the triple role, uh, you cannot have sustainable human development, you cannot have sustainable development, achieve your sustainable development goals. So it is just a question of ensuring that you hold governments accountable to social justice. We are both men, women, boys and girls, uh, part and parcel of the decision-making process. So we, we have a lot of challenges, but then they can be overcome through training, uh, mobil social mobilization, capacity build, strategic capacity building, and also ensuring that partners invest uh, monies, do a lot of investment, increase their investment in uh, building the capacities of women in their different productive areas, like an entrepreneurship which is, of course, a, a, a catalyst in growing the economy, in enhancing women's participation in every sphere of life. Joining us on the line from Cape Town, South Africa, from the African Women's Innovation and Entrepreneurship Forum, is the former Vice President and Minister of Women Affairs from the Gambia, Her Excellency Fatumata Jalo Tambajan. You've managed to succeed you've you've got to the top and you've been such an advocate of women's rights apart from serving as the minister of women affairs in the gambia and now currently being on the gambia women's finance agency in the past you chaired the gambia national women's council you advised the previous um, regime on women's issues and children's affairs please tell us about some of the issues that you drove to benefit women of the country? Um, while I was working with the United Nations Development Programme in the Gambia, I was privileged to be appointed as the chair of the uh, National Women's Council. 
and uh, the dominant mandate was to ensure that um, we domesticate those international instruments and also the constitutional constitution which provides equality and equity for men and women, boys and girls, to ensure that these, these are implemented, these are enforced to the spirit and letter. And uh, what I drove was to ensure that we have gender responsive uh, policies and legislation that would allow us to have equal opportunities. We were also able to drive in a 15 million multi-sectoral program supporting the capacity building of women in different areas, ranging from literacy, economic numeracy, um, enterprise development, business development, and uh, partnership, and also helping them in small microfinancing. Uh, and then also we were able to to have a lot of partners and uh, within that perspective we established the Gambia Women's Finance Association. I was the first convener of the Gambia Women's Finance Association and as chairperson of the council where I advised government that it should support, it needed to support the, the launch and strengthening of the association. So we got diverse funders which is mainly to provide microfinancing for low-income women, women who cannot afford to get, co who don't have collateral, women who do not, don't, don't have uh, public voices, women who cannot access any form of financial uh, assistance. So we were able to establish from our own, and it's a non-profit making organization, uh, which of course has a vision of finally establishing the first women's bank uh, in the Gambia. Um, we have so far 50,000 women, uh, including other maybe uh, men, like 30% men in the organization. And what we do is, of course, providing them with microfinancing, supporting their micro uh, enterprise development, starting from the micro to the macro level, and uh, ensuring that we give, we give them opportunities for joint ventures from the domestic level, from the international level. Um, and also, we are, we are in the uh, length and breadth of the country. We are countrywide. We have uh, 15 branches countrywide. We have uh, the microfinancing, mobile savings, uh, very innovative uh, savings, which is the mobile banking. We also have the mobile phone, which we, were, uh, we started with, in partnership with uh, one of our companies called QCell. And uh, we really want to penetrate the innovation and creativity to bring more opportunities uh, to women. At the same time, at the level of UNDP, I was able to champion some of the success stories, like focusing on women, like salt production. We, at some point when we started, we found that salt production was at the local level. Quality assurance was not given, marketing was not given, but then we supported it. And uh, from 50,000 US dollars, I was able to champion it to $500,000, where women were sent, women salt producers were sent to Madras in India to, to, to study the quality and marketing of salt. And we brought in a Ghanaian expert who was also help, helping them to have the technicalities and at the operational level. And I was also doing, working in the area of rangeland development, where you bring cattle, uh, in the cattle growing areas, where you bring them together have uh, grow, give them f sh sh goat, have the cattle and sheep fattening 
animal husbandry, where you can uh, fatten the, the, the goats and the cattle and grow anthropogon, their feed, quality feed, so that they can be more marketable, they have more price, not only in the Gambia, but outside the region. So I was also in water, water resources. I, was, uh, I, I worked in all, most of the sectors, including economic capacity building, wrinkling development. Uh, I also worked in the area of building the capacity of women leadership and advocating uh, for women. When you, are, when you are a woman leader, you want to make a difference. You need to be everywhere. Being everywhere doesn't mean you are stretching yourself, you are limiting your capacity. It's you have to learn. You have to be attuned to what is happening in terms of development, in terms of politics, and in terms of social entrepreneurship. So uh, as a leader, we need to bring my satisfaction today is to look behind and leave a legacy of many young women and of my age that will continue to be committed to championing the cause of women so that someday Gambia can be like Rwanda, can be like Uganda. Rwanda, you have 60% of women yes, in, in political structures. It's not impossible. Mm -hmm. All we need is just to have uh, continue to build the critical mass of women leaders, build their capacity, give them the courage, support them to continue. And most importantly, my message is that don't never feel frustrated by uh, by leaving power or by being uh, sacked from a position. It should be, you should transform that as an opportunity to create a new platform, a greater platform, where you can advocate for, for, for women to be empowered, to believe in themselves, and to have the support and to network at different levels, up to the continental level, just like I'm participating in this AWIF program. If, remain relevant remain relevant by continuing to see where you fell short, improve upon that and strengthen your capacity and have the courage and re resilience to remain in the course. It is a struggle. It is not going to be uh, easy, but we can do it. And I am there to champion and I would like to join all other women in Africa and even internationally whoever can provide more capacity for me in terms of competence, in terms of advocacy, in terms of resources, I'll be there to join you, to advocate, to champion, and to practically share the experience, practical experience that I have acquired over the years, both at the level of government and international, uh, uh, international community. Best of all, what I would call on the women is we have to have accountability, in whatever we are given. Transparency, accountability, our integrity must be intact. You are so right about everything you've said and you've shared some fantastic examples of real life success stories that are enabling women economically and socially within the Gambia and, and reaching out to expertise in other countries to mm -hmm. absorb that back into the country. Mm -hmm. I, I have to ask you now, more on a personal level, one of the, the things with Womanity, Women in Unity, our program, mm -hmm. it's about mm -hmm. celebrating women's achievements in their various struggles. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that at 21 years of age, you had already had four children, you were mm -hmm. divorced, you then went on to continue your education through adult-based learning, you mm -hmm. now have Four children on equal gen sorry, eight children, four of each gender. Mm -hmm. Can you please share with us 
some of the obstacles that you encountered as a woman whilst you were building your career to demonstrate to other people that are listening to our show that successful women like you and the achievements that you have made weren't presented to you on a silver platter. It required hard work and sacrifice. First of all, it needs a vision, uh, it needs a commitment, and it needs a mission. Uh, the vision will drive you as to how high. A vision for me is achieving what no man thinks you can achieve, making a difference. The mission is focusing on how to achieve your vision. And uh, you need courage also. You need support. The social system in the con in our in Gambian context and in the African context. My my parents, my sisters, my relatives were there to support me to give me that social system where I can uh, concentrate and focus on my new vision, which is to really have the required uh, competence, the knowledge, and the experience to be able to make change, to effect change, and to bring a wealth of women, uh, a wealth of knowledge and skills shared with the younger women and women of my age. Because in Africa, sometimes once you have one child, they say, oh, this, some of the challenges, as you, uh, you ask me, some of the challenges that they, people will not believe you after having children that you can make it. They feel that you are so busy with rearing the children, caring for them, that you wouldn't have time. So what you need is to ensure, to prove them, to first of all believe in yourself that you can make it, you have the vision, and you, you know what you want, and you know what, why you want it. So that was what, number one, that was the barrier. Secondly, uh, people thought that when I am with those children, four children after divorce, that would be so difficult economically to raise them and to give them the right type of upbringing in terms also opportunities. Uh, that was one. I thought that if I am educated, surely my children will not go through what I went through. I will give them the right education. So most of my children were raised well, good upbringing, because that is also important, the cultural aspect, knowing where you belong, what you respect your culture, you respect other people, the respect for the individual, and you inspire them, be a role model for them living by example or doing by example. Those were the challenges that I had. Also funding. When I was going to school, everybody was saying, going back to, to adult learning, people thought, even including the government, some government people, scholarship boards, were saying, well, she already has a child. How about, why don't we invest in a younger person? Um, but I proved them wrong. I asked them, I convinced them through my interviews that uh, I would make it and because I want I knew what I wanted and I knew that I was going to be able to achieve it with God's grace I convinced them I was given a scholarship I went to Dhaka University first of all I did my advanced level with rapid results college and then which was paid by me while I was also uh, studying as adult learner I remember putting my last daughter my first daughter on my back studying on the candlelight when there was no electricity I remember doing all my household, supporting my mom, even though we had domestic workers. I really wanted to be close to my mom to help her, because she was a hard-working woman. And uh, then again, I went to teach. I was teaching, uh, teaching um, in a junior high school in my community. 
and also studying at the same time. So uh, my triple role was taking care of my children, educating myself, improving my life, and at the same time, uh, wanting to be where I want to. Then I went to, I got the scholarship, I went to Dakar University. From there, I went to France and studied and got a BA in French language and civilization. Came back and worked with the UN. I was not an economist, neither was I a social scientist, but when I came, I worked for 26 years with the UN. I feel comfortable because I kept on my professional development in the forefront as, as uh, the opportunity to influence decisions, to influence policies, particular political decision making. I learned how to, I became a, a development practitioner. And to, up to today, at my age, I'm still learning, I'm still reading, I'm still inter networking, I'm still listening to the radio, the media, and I'm interacting with other people, intellectuals, different levels. I never stop learning, and I have taught my children never to stop learning. If you want to be relevant, if you want to effect change, or be part of change, the change we want, particularly within the context of Africa Agenda 2063, the social development agenda, you need to be relevant. You need to have the knowledge and skills. You need to have the leadership. This is not something you get at a platter. You need to change is not something that comes to you. You have to be the one. You have to be the change you want. And you have to join other people to have a social cohesion and support women's solidarity to effect the change that women want in order to advance our agenda. No one is going to do it. We have to make space, create space, lobby, advocate, negotiate to be at that table, at the political, highest political level, where we can be heard, our voices can be heard, and not individual voices, but voices that are willing and are focused on championing the advancement of the women's agenda. You are so determined, so focused, and such an advocate for lifelong learning to, to bring about change and continual relevance. We Thank you. have unfortunately running out of time on our show. There's many, many more things I would have loved to ask you. But in closing the conversation today, could you please share a few words of inspiration or, or wisdom that you'd like to pass on to young ladies who are listening to us on the continent? My inspiration, my message would be stay relevant to the conversation, be active in the conversation, find a niche for yourself, your community and your country, uh, never give up, never despair, keep going, keep learning and keep implementing uh, the things you learn, keep sharing the knowledge you learn, the experiences you have. Keep networking, not only with women, bring along the men. Because cultural barriers are patriarchal, and the only way we can break that cultural barriers in terms of accessing education, in terms of accessing resources at the equal level, is to ensure that you, you bring them on board, you enlighten them, they understand the issues, they embrace the issues, and uh, at the end of the day, you will definitely be there where you want to. Have a vision. Have a vision, focus on the vision, achieve your vision, and your satisfaction should always be looking behind and saying, uplifting the majority of our women and young people in the rural areas 
so that they can also someday be in the mainstream, the spotlight of development, would also have equal opportunities to transform their lives, to have the energy that is required, green energy, to have the right infrastructure, to have the ICT, digitalization infrastructure, to participate in the implementation of the African trade, uh, African continental trade agreement and all other agreements that are in the benefit of, of, of the world and your country at large and ensure that you you part and parcel of decision making. Never give up. Africa depends on you. You are the human capital. You are a force to be reckoned with. So stay relevant and uh, you be a driving force to effect change that Africa wants, that your country wants, that your communities want, so that at the end of the day, you can be satisfied that you have achieved your vision and your mission. Thank you so much for sharing your passion, sharing your energy and really practical advice. We appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me. And I do hope that this conversation is going to continue wherever I am. Absolutely. Because the media, the media is very important. The media, we need the media in every aspect of life. We cannot share experience when the media is not there. It plays an inc- instrumental role. The, my advice to the media is to also go downstream and hear the voices of the vulnerable groups, uplifting their lives, giving them examples, profiling them, so that other women can emulate and say that poverty is not a cause. It's a challenge and it can be overcome. The social exclusion is not a cause. It is people who create it and people can overcome it. So that at the point of day, both you will never have that divide between rural and urban women, young people and rural urban people. It is their response. It is the, it's, a, it's a social justice where everybody should have live equally, have decent life, access to basic resources and transform their lives into decent human beings so that they can champion, continue also the strength in the women's movement in championing the advancement of women, which is, of course, a dividend to society and the continent as a whole. Thank you. Well, we look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I wish you all the best and I wish your network all the best. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman and Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to the former Vice President and Minister of Women Affairs of the Gambia, Excellency Fatumata Jalo Tambajan.